0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from Walks Around Britain. For more information, our terms of use, and to click through to see the show notes on our blog, with photographs, videos and links to related sites, please visit walksaroundbutton.co.uk On the 16th edition of the Walks Around Britain podcast, we talk to the managing editor of the My Outdoors website. We find out what goes into repairing the footpaths we all walk along. We discover the Lake District village of Troutbeck and...
1: We really have got a very, very special marine and coastal environment. And that's what the business down in Dartmouth, the Great Escape's business, really tries to show people.
0: Monty Halls tells us about his latest adventures. Hello and welcome to the 16th edition of the Walks Around Button Podcast. I'm Andrew White and I'm your walking guide through the next 30 minutes or so of walking and outdoor features here on our podcast. Now as comprehensive as we're working to make Walks Around Button with walking routes and videos and audio walks and walking information, we don't have a constantly updated feed of outdoor news and views on our website. And the reason? Because My Outdoors does that and does it brilliantly. Last year, I caught up with the managing editor of My Outdoors, Dave Mycroft, for a chat in our radio car about the history of the site and we chewed the
2: cud of the current outdoor world. We started October 2010, sort of by accident, when uh, the financial rug was pulled from under us on another site that we were building. And suddenly we were £3,000 a month income down, but six months work on the computer. Mm. and We felt we had to do something with it and My Outdoors was born. It's amazing that nobody else had, had taken the domain name really. It was My Outdoors, it just it seemed to be a natural thing that applies not only to us but to everybody because our whole site is aimed at it's not My Outdoors, it's your outdoors mm. but to each individual person who visits the site we want it to be their My Outdoors. Yeah.
0: So it's not just walking, is it? It's it's all about the outdoors.
2: It started off as being predominantly UK walking, but the UK outdoor industry has just grown and diversified so much over the last few years that it now covers anything outdoor related, primarily in the UK or where it's got a direct link with the UK. For example, if you've got, say, people like Leo Holding, Tim Emmett, people like that going off doing things... They're British outdoors people going off around the world doing their thing. They've got a story to tell. Yeah, and it relates directly back to Britain. You have a static website where nothing changes, people don't come back. So you have to be constantly changing. In our opinion, once a year, once every two years, you need a redesign because fashions change, colour preferences change, the news itself changes and you have to move with it, otherwise you get left behind. And to use new features that weren't available, like we do playlists for YouTube and we can put the whole playlist in a a single module and play one video. So it's also
0: about being a a great great experience for the user, isn't it, at the end?
2: At the end of the day, it's all about the user. I don't need to do the site for myself. It's not about us, it is about the user. If we lose the user, then we don't have a site. So we have to keep the user in mind all the time, which is why we run regular polls on what people's opinions are on things. We're pretty much available 24 hours a day, and people do contact us 24 hours a day. (laughs) Um, As you know yourself, we run the the, night shift. The
0: night night shift is often taken by us, isn't it?
2: It is. Where would your favourites be to go for,
0: for a good walk? Where would you say? Where would
2: you uh, there's something to be said for every single part of the UK. I love Scotland, but I love Scotland in winter. Because I don't like midges. It's so I can't say a route in Scotland. I love the Lake District, but equally Snowdonia's got everything. The Lake District's got in a more compact area. Mm. So that's got advantages. The Peak District, totally different scenery. Equally hard if you're backpacking, Mm. if you're (sighs) self-sufficient. I guess when it comes down to favorites, emotions come into it. Mm. Almost everybody who has a favorite walk or a favorite climb or a favorite route, there's an emotional reason behind it. It usually relates to having a good time there in the past, meeting somebody somebody. in the past somebody that you were there with. So it is a very, very personal choice in that what I would choose doesn't mean that I'd recommend it to anybody else. Mm. If I had to pick any one specific area rather than an individual walk, I'd pick the Howgills. Mm. It's the lakes and the dales in one, Mm. but until a few years ago, nobody knew about it.
0: Secret in a way, isn't it? It's,
2: it's one of the few places south of the border mm. that you can still go out and you can walk all day in the middle of summer, even on a bank holiday weekend, and not see another person. Mm. Whether that's going to change when it joins one or other of the national parks, yeah. I've yet to see. We're into, into a lot of potential problems now, aren't we, with uh, the lack of resources
0: in local authorities for the maintenance of footpaths.
2: We are... And in some ways, most people will see it as a bad thing. In some ways I see it as a good thing. The one thing that has changed dramatically over 30 plus years of walking in this country now is individualism. Okay, the council doesn't have the money to do the maintenance in the footpath, but the people have the time still. When I was in my early twenties, I used to regularly go out with people like BTCV and do wall building and path maintenance and things like that. Nowadays, we expect all that sort of thing to be public funded, but it doesn't have to be. You gain so much from taking individual responsibility. We, as outdoor people, have got to take more responsibility for the environment that we want to protect. It's what's always made this country great, is that the people see something needs doing, they go out and they do it. We've lost that over the last 20, 30 years, and maybe this is a way of getting it back. But we've also lost this individual responsibility as well, feeling that somebody else should be doing it for us. No, it's the same as going out walking nobody's going to get up and walk for you you have to do it yourself you get off your own backside get out and go and do it it's exactly the same if nobody else is going to pay for the path maintenance and we want them the answer is give up a bit of your time and go and do it yourself so you go at skidor what's stopping you picking up every piece of litter that you see along the way especially
0: on your way down exactly in this era of austerity you know, it, it's on the rise,
2: isn't it? it it's, it's as close as possible to a free activity. You know, at the end of the day, even in the big cities, you know, Manchester, Birmingham, Derby, Leicester, Nottingham, they're all within half an hour to an hour, at most, by public transport, mm. which is still relatively cheap. And once you're out there, there's nothing, no further expense. Okay, you might not have the latest, high-tech, most expensive equipment, but the latest, high-tech, most expensive equipment is specified for use in the Himalayas, the Andes, the Alps. We don't live in the Himalayas, the Andes and the Alps. Most people who buy outdoor kit in this country would get by on something that costs a third of the price that most people will pay. Mm. You don't have to go on a mountain walk if you're just starting out and you haven't got the correct equipment. You can start with a low-level walk. It will still increase your fitness, it'll increase your awareness, it'll increase your love of the environment itself. And you can progress from there. And you can find My Outdoors at myoutdoors.co.uk
0: and it's a required read every day. (music) Budget cuts or not, there's a lot of work which goes into keeping open and safe the footpaths and bridleways we walkers use every week. And to find out more, I'm joined by Michael Briggs, one of the Yorkshire Dale's National Park Authority's area rangers. Michael, thanks for coming on the podcast. Tell us about what the authority has been doing.
3: Following floods in December 2011, we had quite serious damage caused to some of the rights of way in Swaledale. Swaledale has quite an extensive network of rights of way, which the Yorkshire Dales are responsible for, and we have a lot of those of away running either side of the river and up into Arkengrathdale as well. It's the same case there. So when, when we get floods, normal floods, always causes a bit of damage. But in December, it was particularly bad because we had a heavy snowfall followed by a slight raise in temperature and then more heavy rain. So we got all that snow melt, rain at the same time, which caused, from what I've been told, the second highest flood ever recorded. And it was only a centimetre short of Obviously, after that that has happened, we've had a lot of reports of various bits of damage. The main areas of damage were on a footpath between Isles Bridge and Feetum Wood at Lower Row and Swaledale, And that was a route that carries a low-level route for the coast-to-coast path. So it's quite a popular route. Unfortunately, we had to put a temporary, well, an emergency and then a temporary closure onto that footpath before we could do any repairs. There's an
0: extensive network of rights of way throughout the National Park, isn't there?
3: Throughout the whole National Park area, there's about 2,100 kilometres of footpaths and bridleways that the National Park Authority are responsible for. And then, on top of that, there are quite a few byways open to all traffic, and um, we also manage open access areas.
0: It's something us walkers don't tend to consider, the, the, the quality of the path, until there's a problem with it, how has the National Park been able to sort these problems out?
3: Where, in areas where there's been damage on footpaths, we've been able to repair that alongside the landowners. For instance, at least the recent flood damage, the footpath ran along the top of the flood bank. So the flood bank was obviously defending farmland and barns and walls and such like. So we were keen to see that reinstated as the farmers were. Also, our priority was getting the footpath reinstated on top. So we've worked with the farmers that were in one such case the farmer was providing materials and things to fill, breaches in the flood bank. And we were providing the labour and the machinery to put that material in place. And then we'll sort of take on the care of it now it's reinstated, putting down seed and cutting back vegetation.
0: And with these repairs, there's been a number of interesting volunteers who've helped out.
3: <laughs> Throughout the National Park, we have quite a dedicated band of volunteers. We have nearly 200 volunteers that help us right across the park in all sorts of ways. Many come out on practical days with the, working with the rangers to do repairs, but others do a lot of survey works, whether that's on footpaths or on um, historical buildings or for wildlife and such like. So it's really very what the volunteers do for us. In the ranger service, the volunteers do, yeah mainly do these practical tasks with, with the other rangers. So they're coming out barrowing material, digging stuff over, laying out turfs, or um, maintaining things like um, gates and timber styles. In the recent flood damages, we've um, had a lot of walling to do, so we've got quite a few dedicated wallers. Who like to get out there and get their um, get their hands dirty and their backs aching? <laughs> and um they'll they'll do any amount of walling that you ask them to, and it's just stopping them. It's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> they they have some association with the um, dry stone walling guild as well. But we also had um, yeah contact from a local police officer who's, who spends a lot of his own time in in Swaledale and Wensdale. And he'd seen all this damage and he wanted to help. So he got a band of coppers on their days off and they came out and helped us too, which is really appreciated.
0: Is there a lot of damage caused by the sheer numbers of, of walkers along the park's
3: paths? It varies across the park. In, in yeah, Some paths are obviously busier than others. Some carry you know national trails or long-distance walks, such as the coast-to-coast. So they obviously get more of a hammering. Yes, and, as such, require a bit more maintenance in terms of maybe replacing gates more often and styles and then others just suffer from neglect really, from where people aren't walking on them so often, and they uh, they become overgrown and they never get lost in the national park because we we always we're always caught in in time really, but when we try to not to prioritize really, but all, you know all public lights away are as important as the next, but we um we obviously have to look at which are being used more often. So is
0: there anything us walkers can do to help you in your task?
3: We always try and promote the you know, countryside call, the usual things. Leave gates as you find them, don't drop your litter, keep dogs under control, that sort of thing. But in terms of reducing the maintenance, um, we would just ask you to respect the line of the path and the landowners on either on the, the land the path runs across. Try not to veer off the path too much or cause what we call braiding you're getting lots of different routes on paths try not to take shortcuts often this can cause problems it doesn't help the reputation of walkers when people are shortcutting across private land and causing damage to every defences and things and this, you know, unfortunately this does occur in places Yes The, the rights of way are here to be used and that's what we want to see them being used for and we, we're happy to take any feedback or comments and, and suggestions on footpaths through our ranger service, Really,
0: Michael, thanks for coming on the podcast Cheers now, the Lake District is obviously one of the most popular places in Britain to go walking but within the area there are some relatively unknown and undiscovered places to walk and stay. One of those places is Troutbeck which we visited to film our walk to the summit of Wandsville Pike. John Hobson, the owner of Windermere Lodges in Troutbeck, explains how he came to
4: discover the area. Well we first came here about five years ago, we stayed with a friend's lodge <coughs> down there in uh, Limefit Park and we'd never been here before because I think like many people we'd never really even heard of Troutback. You know, everybody knows that the, uh, the Lake District has places like Ambleside and Bowness and Windermere but Troutback's just a little bit out of the on, off the beaten track. We came up here and we, uh, we stayed in this, in this lodge for a week and we absolutely fell in love with the place because it's one of the most picturesque villages in the Lake District. It's got some absolutely beautiful vernacular architecture. It's got some fantastic examples of uh, traditional Lake District architecture, the step gables and uh, all of that stuff. Some fantastic old buildings in there which are just really beautiful to walk past. It's a typical traditional Lakeland village of a type that you don't really see you know, uh, anymore. And it's just so beautiful, but it's also so peaceful. The difference is that, you know, if you go three miles away from here, you get yourself down into the honeypots of, uh, of Ambleside and Windermere, Bowness. And there are things to do there. There's restaurants and there's pubs and there's all those things that people like to do on holiday. But you come here and you've got the, the tranquility, uh, you've got the beautiful countryside and you've got a couple of fantastic local pubs here, The Mortal Man and The Queen's Head. And they're two of the nicest pubs in the Lake District, serving great food, great beer. And the walking uh, around here is, is simply stunning. You can go straight from the lodge door and do some absolutely fantastic walks. Today we've uh, walked from Otter Lodge and we've gone up Wansfell Pike. It's been an absolutely fantastic day. Blue sky and it's about 20 degrees. And we've had the most amazing day uh, you know, walking. Today has been very, very hazy, which is a shame because when you get to the top normally, you've got a, a 360 degree panorama and looking down the lake, which is just over 10 miles long, you can normally see past the lake all the way down to Morecambe Bay and then as you sort of come left from that view you look over Yorkshire and you you look out over the dales almost over there and then coming back round you see the Kirkstone Pass with the Kirkstone Inn at the end and then as you get back round to the Troutback Valley uh, you have a fantastic view of all the peaks that go down there Um, going down the Troutback Valley there are three or four major peaks that are there Threshwake Crag at the end comes back down, Thornthwaite Crag, Frozick, Ilbel and Yoke and you come back along and it's an undulating road basically, it's an old Roman road it's an old legionary road actually, it's called High Street that runs along there and I wouldn't like to have to do that with a Roman backpack on I have to say Um, but it was bad enough carrying the tripod today but there there are some fantastic views again from there all the way back down the Troutbeck Valley looking back onto Windermere and uh, as you come round to complete the circle, you would see uh, Ambleside uh, down below you. Fantastic view of Ambleside. In fact, it's quite nice to continue that walk and go down to Ambleside and then come back on the road actually. And you can see Rydalwater and Grasmere down there. And then finally, as you come round again towards the lake, you get the most stupendous view of the Langdales. But fortunately, today it was very, very hazy, so we didn't really see much of that at all. And there's a, a huge variety of walks that you can do from the lodge door. You know, we have a dog, got a, a lovely retriever that absolutely adores walking. So uh, we, we come up here over the weekend, we park the car. The car doesn't need to come out again. You know, we can come for a walk around Troutbeck. We can uh, go for a walk around the fells on either side of the Troutbeck valley. If we fancy an easy walk, we can do that. If we fancy something a bit more challenging, we can walk all the way down to the bottom of the valley. Um, That's a heck of a walk with a fair height gain. And in certain conditions, that can be quite difficult. You you have walks for all abilities, uh, walks for all the sorts of eventualities that you want to cover, and it really is. A gem of a place, hidden away, but it's only three miles from Troutbeck and Ambleside, and that's why we love it so much. I mean, we're only what 15 miles, I think, from Junction 36 of the M6, so it's uh, it's an easy run-in from the motorway to get here. The roads are good to get here, and you don't tend to get involved in too many traffic jams up to this point, even at busy periods. And it's a great central place. It's it's, it's close to the major centres. It's easy to get up to places like Keswick. And you want to go and see, for example, the Ospreys at Bazanthwaite, It's an easy run up there. It's only 30 or 40 miles up there. So yeah, we're pretty central and. It's a great place to be.
0: And you can watch the video walk to the summit of Wansfell Pike and find links to John's Lodges on our blog at blog.walksroundbriton.co.uk. Well, there's not long now to this year's Keswick Mountain Festival, between the 15th and the 19th of May. As every year, there's a fantastic lineup of festival activities across the five days of the event. And there's a glittering array of star speakers too. One of which, Monty Halls, will be a particular delight. Monty is a writer, explorer and broadcaster, perhaps most famous for his BBC2 series, Great Escapes. He's been filming a range of other series too, and he's set up an outdoor business on the southwest coast. And I'm pleased to say Monty joins me now. Monty, tell us about the new business.
1: Yeah, basically, I've moved down to Dartmouth in Devon and set up my own kind of eco-tours business. So that's been the first time that I've put down roots, probably ever. Sorry, that's my young daughter <laughs> bellowing in the background with enthusiasm. <laughs> um, it's the first time I've really put down roots anywhere. And, and what we're trying to do here is just educate people about the south coast, really. You know, the wonders of the British coastline. But also what I've been doing is a a little bit of international stuff as well, in that we're making a a TV series about the great mysteries under the sea. So I've been off on a couple of those expeditions, just trying to sort of answer the enduring riddles of the ocean.
0: The Great Barrier Reef series was stunning.
1: Yeah, it it was an interesting one, the Great Barrier Reef, because that particular project film crew spent 18 months out there just getting footage that, quite frankly, the stuff that had never been filmed before. It was genuinely ground-breaking stuff. As the presenter, the way it works is you almost link the footage together and provide the sort of relevant facts and say we're moving from this environment to this environment. So I was out there for a total of a month and a half. and towards the end of the filming process. So I had the, the kind of great pleasure of going out and seeing this stuff that the guys had produced and then just acting as the, as the link between all these, these amazing bits of footage.
0: Obviously, the Great Escape series have been very popular.
1: Yes, um, you know, I think that celebrates what we've got around the coast of the UK, you know, the, the genuine wildernesses we have off the UK, places like the Outer Hebrides, you know, the west coast of Ireland. We tend to forget we're an island moored in the northeastern Atlantic, and we're the first thing that anything coming across the Atlantic hits. So we've got all sorts of the animals off our coast, and we've got a truly wild temperate coastline. So I think they got a nice strong reaction from people because we all have wonderful memories of the sea. And as islanders, we all have a very close connection with the sea as well. And I think that everyone has that sort of secret little ambition and desire, just the same as I do, to just sort of get away from it all and go and live in a little hut somewhere, somewhere remote. And I was very lucky to to have the opportunity to do that.
0: And I think your series and and others like Coast have made us much more aware about the wildlife that we have around our coastline.
1: Oh yeah, very much. I mean, we've we've got 4,000 different species of plants and animals that rely on our coastline. And we've got about 25 species of uh, whales and dolphins. We've got about 20 species of shark around our coast. We've got the second largest fish on Earth that uh, appears in greater numbers around our coast than anywhere else pretty much in the world. You know, we... We really have got a very, very special marine and coastal environment. And that's what the business down in Dartmouth, the Great Escapes business, really tries to show people. You know, we take people out in the boat and from all walks of society and all parts of the UK and, and just, you know, show them a little bit of what it's all about. We blow their hair back, basically, and charge around in the rib and, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, show them some nice sights along the South Devon coast.
0: Last year, we had the campaign from the National Trust about how young people aren't getting out enough and, and discovering the countryside and the outdoors. And this is really important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. You know, and having gone through last summer, you can almost see why young people wouldn't want to get out, <laughs> quite frankly. you know. The, did, did we have a summer last yeah, year? Yeah, exactly. The weather's gone haywire. It's every summer we have is a complete basket case. Man, it doesn't, it doesn't know what it is. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we've always been quite an outdoorsy race as well. We're fishermen and farmers, really. Yes. That's our heritage and, and, and hunters. And it would be very sad to lose that. I talk about temperate seas, obviously the land as well. We've got uh, extraordinary mountains. We've got beautiful forests that we used to live off hardly any time at all ago. You know, 300 years, 400 years. We all had the knowledge of how to live off these environments, and we've lost that a little bit. But I've always maintained it's not buried very deep and it doesn't take much to go you never regret a walk in the woods and you never regret a walk along a beach regardless of what the weather's doing or whatever because i think it really connects with something that's quite deep inside all of us
0: and we're also a race of explorers and discoverers aren't
1: we oh we really are yeah that is definitely part of our heritage george mallory said in 1921 when he his team saw everest for the first time he said gentlemen we are stepping off the map and Uh, you know us Brits are are pretty good at stepping off the map we've always pushed beyond the horizon it's it's absolutely in our heritage and it's to this day you look at some of the great expeditions and the great explorers nowadays and you know there's an awful lot of Brits out there so it's something as part of our heritage that we should be very proud of indeed.
0: One of the great things about this country is that we have such a wide range of countryside don't we?
1: We do you know as as I said we're, we're quite a wild little island really and you don't have to go too far to find real wilderness. Um, half an hour away from where I'm, I'm talking to you now is Dartmoor. This is a globally renowned moor. And, and you can't get, get
0: much wilder than that, can you?
1: No, no. You know, you step off the paths in Dartmoor and you are in genuinely wild country. And obviously Scotland, it's extraordinary uh, the west coast of Scotland and places like the Cairngorms and then you look at Wales, you know, oh, Pembrokeshire, um, Brecon Beacons, uh, then UK, you've got the Lake District, you've got the Fens, you've got, they just reel off all these really beautiful environments. The interesting thing is people come from all around the world to see the British landscape and the British countryside. And we live right in the midst of it all and sometimes we don't even climb into our cars and drive for an hour. And I'm as guilty as anyone else about that, by the way. <laughs>
0: So tell us what you'll be talking about at the Keswick Mountain Festival.
1: Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about things like Great Barrier Reef, try and tell the story a wee bit of a behind the behind-the-scenes filming of, of what was a really sort of epic blue-chip uh, BBC documentary about uh, the, the iconic reef system in the world, really. Um, talk a little bit about the, the new series we're filming, which again relates to several sort of great mysteries under the ocean. What we're trying to do is push a little bit deeper now and using some very advanced technology to to do so. But also, I think we're going to talk about uh, a fair amount to do with our coastline here and and getting out about in the, the UK and the experiences we've had over the last year running these trips and courses and doing things like baiting for blue sharks off the south coast of Devon and spotting basking sharks and dolphins and porpoises and peregrines hunting and all the other good things in life. So there'll be a nice kind of spread, I hope, and also a will be a nice little uh, glimpse for people of the series to cover about the, the Ocean Mysteries one.
0: Monty, thanks for coming on our podcast.
1: No problem, my pleasure.
0: And you can find links to the Keswick Mountain Festival and Monty's Great Escape business on our blog. <music> Don't forget to visit our website too at walksroundbutton.co.uk for walking news and information. And until the next edition, goodbye
3: and happy walking.